July 12th, 2023. Let's talk this morning about pets on Shabbat. Now, when you talk about pets in general, there's a certain assumption. The assumption is that you could own pets. There are gemarot, which we're not going to address right now, which make that sort of issue confusing with regards specifically to owning a dog. However, as we will separately address, there are many angles with regards to owning a dog in a permissible fashion, provided that it's a safe dog and not going to be something that causes danger or harm to others. So with regards to this class, however, we'd specifically focus on pets on Shabbat. Uh, now, on Shabbat as well, there are many issues that could and should be addressed. For example, trapping a pet on Shabbat, placing it in the cage or closing the door behind it, not going to be an issue that we'll address right now. That's a Hilchot Seda, trapping on Shabbat issue. Specifically and primarily what I'd like to focus on together with you this morning is uh, whether you could move a pet on Shabbat. And that really addresses the issue of Mukseh. Mukse, of course, being that word, which means that the rabbis restricted certain items or things on Shabbat with regards to the mindset of a person. Is a person prepared to use this on Shabbat? If the answer is no, then they wouldn't be able to, even if they decide they want to. Of course, there are several classifications and several sections of Hilchot Mukse, which we'll have to address briefly as we uh, deal with this matter. There's a Mishnah in source number one in Masechet Shaban Daf Kof Kaf Het Amud Bet, which says the following: Kofin etasal lifneha efrochim kedesh yaalu v'yerdu. So the statement in the Mishnah is that you're allowed to turn over a basket in front of chicks so that the chicks can come up, provided that you want them to go up to somewhere, or go down. That seems straightforward. It's nothing to do, per se, with touching the chicks. Why am I mentioning this? Why is this the primary source with regards to this matter? Says Rashi, Ashmi'inan, the Hidush over here in the Mishnah is, Dekeli nital the novelty, the matter which is new and wouldn't have been understood from the Mishnah is, well, since I can't, says Rashi, pick up the chick on Shabbat, maybe I can handle the keli, the utensil, the basket, for the chick which can't be picked up on Shabbat. It seems clear then, if that is the novelty, if that's the Hidush of the Mishnah, that we're assuming, and there are several other Gemarot which allude to this, that an animal is Asur Mishum Mukseh on Shabbat. Uh, that being the case, of course, we'll have to question what sort of Mukseh? Is there an Isur per se associated with the animal? Masechet Betzandaf Lamedvav, the Gemarat, or the end of the Masechet, has a statement with regards to riding on a horse or some sort of movable animal that you're riding on on Shabbat or Yom Tov. Over there, there's a Gezerat, it's a restriction from the rabbis. You're not allowed to be Mishtamesh, be Ba'ale Hayim, be using the animal, again, riding on it, because you might cut off from a tree something so that you'll be able to direct the animal. That's not per se what we're talking about over here. doesn't seem to be a straightforward restriction with regards to chicks that I might pull off from a tree in order to direct them. Uh, by extension, of course, um, parrots or goldfish or dogs or cats wouldn't really be applicable to that. And nonetheless, the Mishnah seems clear that there is some sort of mukseh restriction with regards to animals on Shabbat. But according to this source, that animals, it, it's, it's alluding to the fact that animals are mukseh. Right. So shouldn't putting a basket, which now has no purpose, 
be mukse as well. Right. That's the hidush of the Mishnah. That's the hidush of the Mishnah. Without getting into the details, the hidush is that you're allowed to use a keli, a utensil, provided it's a utensil, in order to serve even something that you're not allowed to be handling. That's the hidush. Again, it's it's a novelty. It needs a conversation in and of itself. At the very least, what we can glean from this and understand and appreciate is that the animals are mukseh. Why would they be mukseh? The primary source on this matter is source number two. It's Magid Mishneh, one of the major commentaries to Harambam's Mishneh Torah. In Perikaf Aleph of Ilchot Shabbat Halacha Kafeh, when Harambam records this Halacha, he explains the following, Uperush HaEfrohim Veshum Behema Hayava Of Hayim. He says, when we talk about chicks, or by extension, any domesticated wild animal or a bird or anything of that sort, enan mutarim betiltul, they're not permitted to be carried or handled on Shabbat, lefi she'enan re'uyin, because they're not worthy, not per se worthiness with regards to value, but it means they have no usage, is the understanding. That's what we call mukse uh, mehamat gufo. Now, the classic examples of what Muqseh Mehamat Gufo, because of its essence um, in the Gemara and the Mishnayot, are stones, rocks, and wood, or branches. Those are situations and circumstances where we say, it's not per se because it has a usage which is forbidden, which we might say about something like a hammer. It's rather that they have no usage. Now, when it comes to rocks and, and wood, which again are mukseh mehamat gufo. There are circumstances and situations where you can prepare it before Shabbat and say, I'm going to use this on Shabbat. I've told it more than once when I was a child, I loved playing with wood, and I would sometimes designate wood before Shabbat to be used. Over here, um, the chicks or the animals, you'd imagine at this juncture could be miuhad. You could uh, specify and separate them for that reason, but that's the mukseh we're dealing with. And in turn, you might again immediately say, well, if it's a pet, not a wild or animal out in the field, if I do designate it, maybe then it's permitted. Isn't the designation yeah. the fact that you own it? Right, correct. That's exactly the point I'm you making. You own it, that's why it At this usage. point, if we were to pause and, and just read it as such, we would imagine purposefully, no. I mean, I'll explain to you. You say that by a pet. You wouldn't say that by the rabbit that just hopped into your field. Correct. Yes. No, no, but if you own a pet, yep. you want it because it makes you happy, it keeps you company. hundred percent. So that being the case, when we're dealing with Muqseh Mehamat Gufo, which is the issue with regards to animals on Shabbat, we could and perhaps should be with a mindset at this point that it's therefore permitted if it's a pet, which I bought with the express purpose of holding it and enjoying it 100%. On a deer on the street, don't touch. 100%. writes the following. In the initial Sa'if, he writes, you're not allowed to carry an animal, whether domesticated or wild or a bird, etc. Then he writes, Any one of these sorts of animals, if you need to move them in your courtyard, you can push them along. If it's necessary for the animal to be moved, it's going to dehydrate over here. It needs to be moved into another area. It's dangerous for it. You can push it. You can even hold it by the neck and lead it. However, it's necessary that you be careful that you not pick them up. 
raglehem in ha'aretz in a way that their feet would be raised off the ground. Dimuksinhem, because after all, they're considered mukseh. Ve'asur le'taltelam. Okay, so those are the words of Shulchan Aruch. Again, only continuing something that we did know already. Animals would be and should be considered mukseh mehamat gufo. With regards to pets, our thought right now is they should be permitted. And indeed, in source number three, one of the earliest sources to address this matter, in She'elotu Teshubot, in source number four, She'elotu Teshubot, Maharach or Zaruan, Siman Pe'alef, um, Or Zarua is a 13th century, is a 13th century Rishon, Ashkenazic Rishon. Um, he writes the following, he writes, Ve'od hodi'ani ki li afal pi she'ba'alei hayim muksim ninhu mikom akom nirali lehatir letaltel ofot ha'metzavtzefim bekol na'e beklubo. He's dealing with a circumstance where he begins with an apology, even though Animals are mukse. Nonetheless, I believe it's permitted to move a fort, that's birds, like a parrot of some sort, uh, which are in their kluv, in their cage, uh, with a beautiful voice chirping. With a beautiful sound, they're chirping. In other words, he's describing a pet. A 700-year-old style pet where you had a bird, he says is permitted to, he's late 13th century. Before Shohan Aruch. It's long before Shohan Aruch. First and foremost, we don't have a fear about their feathers being pulled out. Explains Maharach or Zarua. Since you enjoy their voice, they have a purpose. It's not a rock. It's not a piece of wood. It has a purpose. You bought it. You own it, he seems to be suggesting, in order to listen to the voice. Mide de Have says it's similar to Asalikusta, Shehilimare. He cites something which, if you don't know Gemara Masechet Shabbat, you don't know what he's talking about. He says it's similar to Salikusta, which is permitted because of what it looks like. What's Salikusta? Well, he's really citing from the next source, source number five, a Gemara Masechet Shabbat and Dafnun. The Gemara over there talks about Salikusta, I think, is a daffodil. I think it's a daffodil. It's a type of uh, small flower, right? Daffodil is the name of that flower. So, um, the, the circumstance over there is that people, um, high level and ranking people, would like to look at this flower and even, Rashi says, to smell it. And you'd want it to be placed in dirt in order, I guess, to give it nutrients over the course of the day in some way or fashion. But it says the Gemara, if you pulled it out before Shabbat so that the dirt is no longer kind of holding it in and you're not moving the dirt and then you place it back in, you can remove and place back in on Shabbat. Now again, the dirt aside and any of those sorts of issues, not our particular focus right now, but why are you able to pick up that flower and put it back down? Well, clearly, since, as Rashi explains in that Gemara's Maharach or Zarua is citing, it has a pleasant look. I want to look at it. It's exciting to look at and to enjoy taking a glance at it from time to time. Rashi adds to smell it. Well, that establishes it in and of itself, even though it's like wood, it's like a rock, it's just this daffodil which grows out there. It's not considered mukseh. Says again, Maharach or Zarua, Mide de Hava, the end of the second line, Asalikusta shihilimare. 
He says, when you're dealing with that daffodil, the whole purpose is just to look at it. That in and of itself transforms it from mukse to something that's mutar. Vikol umar'e, he says, maybe you'll distinguish between the birds which you're enjoying for their sound and the daffodil which is exciting because of what it looks like. Ki they're equated when it comes to uh, um, prohibited benefit. When it comes to something that's Kodesh, the halakha is not allowed to benefit from it. You're not allowed to benefit in any way, says Maharachor Zarua. It means that any enjoyment is equated for our purposes with regards to it not being considered mukse. Vese ulmad mikol keleshir. He says, I can suggest further, again, specifically with regards to the birds, that I should learn from all instruments. The ilav gezera shema tipasek sheme he says that the whole reason why instruments, the Gemara tells us in Veza, are prohibited is because you might come to fix it. It's a restriction of the rabbis, which means to say that if I weren't to have such a Gezera, I'd be allowed to enjoy it. But it has no purpose. Of course it has a purpose. It makes a beautiful sound. He says, what's the difference between an instrument and a bird? Well, the instrument could, might be fixed. Got it. A bird might not be fixed. A bird, in turn, his suggestion is, should be permitted. Now, he specifically, Mahara Horzarua, focused on birds because of their pleasant sound. Could we, and perhaps we should, extend that to, I don't know, I enjoy holding the dog. I enjoy cuddling with the cat. I enjoy petting and uh, moving around and showing off the rabbit. That's what I do in these circumstances. Your pet. Your pet it stands to reason that his rationale would extend to all pet situations. He admits to, of course, our first several sources that animals are mukse, but he distinguishes when it's a pet for enjoyment, it's almost like a toy in such a circumstance, and any other animal. If it were to end over here, we would very clearly state pets are different than animals. They're not mukse on Shabbat. They have a purpose, and they're not like a mukse mehamat gufo. The matter becomes complicated based on source number six. Rosh, who's a contemporary of Maharachor Zarua. As a matter of fact, they were writing to each other these letters. So Rosh responds to Maharachor Zarua disagreeing. And he writes, he writes, and on the birds, my heart was not full to the extent that I'm comfortable saying it's permitted. You can't derive a permissibility with regards to pets from the idea that instruments would be permitted. Why not? Maybe you'll claim a hammer, which is... You use it, generally speaking, to do uh, forbidden uh, acts. If I reappropriated the, the hammer on Yom Tov in order, or on Shabbat in order to crack open a walnut, it would be permitted. Maybe it's so too over here, something similar. Says Rosh, don't compare those. Says Rosh, there's a basic and fundamental distinction between utensils and pets. 
The distinction is utensils are a keli, they're a utensil, halachically speaking, and therefore could be seen as purposeful, as opposed to a pet has no torat keli, doesn't have the distinction, doesn't have the characterization of being a utensil, and therefore, mukse mehamat gufo, again, rocks or um, twigs or branches cannot be on Shabbat or Yom Tov reappropriated. You might say, nonetheless, if I set it aside before Shabbat, right? He just, all he did so far was distinguish. Don't assume, I don't like your comparison to an instrument. An instrument is a keli. Over here, it's not a keli at all. Uh, but maybe if I distinguished and I set it aside beforehand, you should know animals are more forbidden than rocks. He said, rocks out in your field. He cites the Gemara in Masechet Beitzah that we mentioned at the beginning of the class on Daf Lamidvav, that you're not allowed to use animals. But using animals, we're talking about climbing on the horse and riding on the horse, pulling down the branch. What does that have to do with this? And Hakamim didn't distinguish when it came to animals. What he seems to be suggesting is it's a twofold isur. Number one, don't consider it mukse mehamat isur or kelishe melachtoli isur is the right way to phrase that. It's not a keli. Number two, don't assume you can specify this beforehand. You can only specify items which are usable. This is not usable. What do you mean it's not usable? The rabbis say, you're not allowed to be mishtamesh be hayim. That's his suggestion. How does he square this with the Gemara by the daffodils? He doesn't even address that. I saw most recently Menuhat Ahlav, Rabbi Moshe Levi struggles with that, how to distinguish. Maybe there's a difference between the two. Rosh doesn't. For our purposes right now, we can leave that as a question, as a query on Rosh. But his opinion stands strong. His opinion is that when it comes to pets on Shabbat, they are to be considered mukseh to the extent that you couldn't even separate them before Shabbat. What's the rationale? They have no usage. Now, the only designated usage. So the lingering question. Let's say right before of, Shabbat, this dog, I'm designated usage. Has, because he says, You're not allowed to. Use. You're not allowed to. The rabbi said, You're not allowed to. So what's halakha la'ase, and by extension, is that the reality with regards to our pets? And what I mean by that is, are pets lighter than the case that Rosh is dealing with? After all, Rosh is dealing with a bird where you're listening to it, and he might say that's not a tashmish at all. Uh, what about if I imagine the dog as something that I purposefully have in order to use it, not just to listen to, in order to use it? Maybe that's even considered a, ironically, a utensil. Well, that's the angle of maybe deflecting over here. Like we'll have to... Person? I thought the whole point is it doesn't have the specific Or for purpose. someone who derives benefit... Um, or someone... Uh, <coughs> right, so maybe... In other words, so we'll, we'll have to that. develop this as we go along, but maybe it does. Maybe once upon a time animals didn't, and you have some outlandish idea that you're going to use in some... Uh, the rabbi said you can't. Maybe when it comes to pets, the rabbis in the first place never said you can't because it's like a toy. Maybe that's maybe pets in today's day and age would be considered different. This is what the later post scheme do address and, and discuss. In source number seven, for example, Shailot Tishubot Alachot Ketanot, that's Rabbi Yaakov Hagiz and Halekal Siman Memhe, Immutal Taltel Behema Hayava Of Litinok Lisahekbo Bishabat, is it permitted? 
for a child to play with an animal or domesticated or wild or a bird Besides from a tosafot who might consider an animal a utensil. The So there's a statement. He suggests along the lines of Maharach or Zarua that you can and would in your mind distinguish this as something that's usable. You transformed it into a keli. Not everybody agrees with that in the late Aharonim. Shohan Aruch Harav, Shohan Aruch Terbi Zalman, that's Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Layedi, and Siman Shimhet, and Sa'if Ayin Het writes, Asur letaltel behema o haya o of mi peneshen an reuyin be Shabbat keshehem hayim. It's prohibited on Shabbat to carry any of these animals on Shabbat. Even if it's a bird to calm down the child, he needs it for emotional reasons. Still, Asur, along those same lines, Maran Hachidan, Berke Yosef, and Shimhet Dalit, cites from Maharam ibn Habib, Asur letaltel beema hayav of afil letzorich kufo mekomo delayit marhak lala ele bimideh dahave keli. The only time you'd have some permissibility is if it's considered utensil. Va bimideh delahava keli. Lo sharinan le. There's no permissibility. That's his suggestion. And in turn, we're really left with a mahloket harishonim, maharach or zarua versus rosh, and then a mahloket in the aharonim. We have halachot ketanot versus birke yosef and shulchan aruch bizalman, among many others. Obviously, on both of these issues, what do the later uh, poskims in the last 20, 30, 40 years say? In Shailot Tishbot Igrot Moshe, that's Rav Moshe Feinstein. In source number nine, number ten, there seems to be a contradiction. Number nine is the earlier version. Number ten is the later writing. What does he write in number nine? In Ora Chaim Chelik Dalit Siman Tetzayin, letaltel b'Shabbat v'Yom Tov Hakeli im Hadagim Ktanim Shenasu Lenoi Ulekashet Habayit Nerashe Asur to carry on Shabbat the aquarium which has small fish in it Asur. The Baale Hayim, goldfish, the Baale Hayim Muksimhim. Afbechiai Gavna. As animals, even in such a circumstance, are Mukseh. Dehem, here's the example, Ki Grogerot Vesimukim. Kamfurash Betosafot, Shabbat, Afmemhed, Boramat Hil Hachab Mayaskinan Shemaskeh, the law, Karav Rabbenu Yosef, the Acha, Gam Hakeli Asur, the law Shayach Lafriah. So his suggestion is, he says that pets would be, and this means seems to be his interpretation of Rosh that we learned earlier, they would be like Grogrot Vitsimukin. That means to say there is a circumstance, a situation where we assume something is so far from a, a, a mindful usage for something else. You can't look at a, uh, a pet, his suggestion is over here, and say, but I will use it. It's not a keli. The same way those, um, those, those raisins are not kelim and you can't reappropriate them, so too over here. When it comes to a rock or it comes to wood, you could. When it comes to the grogerot vitsimukin, you may not. And by extension, when it comes to an animal, you can't either. Now, Ramosha Feinstein was asked this question much later at the very end of his life in Shailot Tishboti Grot Moshe Ora Chaim Chelekein Siman Kafbet Siporim Ktanim. Now he's not asked this time about the aquarium. There might be a difference, or he may have just changed his opinion. Shemitzaftefim. You have small birds which are uh, chirping. Uktanim Sahakim Imahem Haim Dinoki Mukse. Is it considered Mukse when children play with it? Debetosafot Shabbati Tirharav Rabbin Yosef Letal Telefroa. Hi. Sites from Tosafot in Shabbat and Dafmemhe, where there is a mahlok, but there's an opinion 
That permits, of course, along the lines of Maharachor Zarua, his answer. Kol ba'ale hayim hava lehu mukseh. All animals are considered mukseh. Even the ones that children play with. Unless they are specifically for playing. Now, is he distinguishing, and that's not clear, is he distinguishing with a pet that you play with with your hands as opposed to fish which you just look at? He might be, it would be a hard sell, but he might be. At the very least, in this later Teshuvah, about which there's a lot of debate, did he actually write it? It was published posthumously after his life, etc. But he does seem to be clearly permitting Bisman Hazeh pets. Why is he, as a matter of fact, in the brackets in the edition, it says Pe Ayin Tet Samech? Pets. What we call pets today, he's permitting. What's the reason? Because pets are different than animals of old. Is he going to make this claim even according to Rosh? He might be making this claim even according to Rosh. Rosh, if you recall, told us earlier that the birds which are chirping have no usage. Maybe he would distinguish, maybe, that today pets are different than birds of old. Birds of old didn't have a real usage. They sounded nice. Pets today are specifically there for the purpose of playing with them, and as a result, they get transformed in status to toys. Maybe he'd even make the argument, as in source number 12, Rabbi Binyamin Zilber does, that it's considered a keli. So, ironically, if you have a dog, because, you know, let's say someone's blind and they have a dog, or an emotional support dog or something like that, in which it has a usage... He's going to say, Rav Moshe Feinstein, that it's Asur. No. It has to be that you're playing with no, it, no, is no, what no, he's no, saying. No, 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 it's the same thing. In other words, the usage over there is the usage. Words, that, that makes it into, that's the same claim. So the playing usage, or, even playing. That's right. Rosh's assumption was there's no real usage over here. They're chirping, that's not a real usage. Rav Moshe Feinstein says, no, there is a usage. You'll say for a blind, a blind. Now, Chacham Vadya Yosef himself in Chazon Vadya Chelegimal does address uh, dogs for blind people. We'll see in a moment, Chacham Vadya Yosef will be stringent on the matter of pets. When it comes to a dog who's leading a blind person, you're not per se picking it up. You're just mm-hmm. following it. And that's an important point that's already to be made right, right now. It's an important point already to be made right now. To hold a leash onto the animal and let the animal, so to speak, walk, that's not what we're dealing with. We're dealing with maneuvering and moving and handling the animal itself. That's where we're addressing the issue of mukseh. If the animal is leading you while you're holding a leash, under such circumstances, there'd be no issue of mukseh. So just to be clear, even the opinions whom we're going to side with, who maintain that animals are considered mukseh, even pets, that's not to preclude and not to say that it's asur to have a leash attached and to be walking with the animal. You have to be careful that when you get to the home, you're not lifting up the animal, but walking after the animal by, ex- by extension, a person who needs it because they're blind um, would certainly be able to not do not an issue of carrying if there's no way to... So if there's no eruv, the, there would be a potential issue if the leash is close to the ground. It's only when it's, the leash is close to the ground or if it's not tightened, t- held tightly by you. Otherwise, no, it's considered something that's connected to it. You're just holding on mm-hmm. to it. You're not actually carrying it. That's the way the post can write this. Then right. you could make the same, I don't, I don't know if this is a little off topic, but could you make the same argument with strollers? No, because strollers are explicit. Strollers, I understand what you're saying. You're saying you're just pushing it, but it's not moving itself. 
you're pushing it through your strength uh, and it's moving. The That's the distinction. Well, now, there's nowhere to move. You can walk the door. Obviously, you can't yes. pick up after it uses... Correct. Or something like that. That's well, that, yeah. Potentially, or that's a gerif that's a whole separate conversation as well, but yeah. So in Shailot Teshubot Aznid Beru and Helek Het Siman Lamidvav, this is Rabbi Binyamin Zilber. Rabbi Binyamin Zilber, who's a rabbi, lived in Bnei Brak, a tremendous posek halacha. He cites, as a matter of fact, uh, the next source. So this is source number 12, source number 13, Chacham Vadya Yosef, who has a stringent opinion. He cites that in this Teshubah, but he disagrees. And his reason, his rationale for disagreeing, he quotes from Rosh, he's well aware of all the poskim, but if you look three lines before the end of this source number 11, he writes, Aval benidoneno, however, on our issue. Shebithilat havayatam yihadu, or yihado rak lenoi. The very purpose, the expressed usage of these animals is not for anything constructive per se, just for noy, just for beauty, just to enjoy. He happens to be talking about fish even over here. Lo halalem din mukset baale hayim. There's no issue of mukset baale hayim. Again, mukset baale hayim is the express purpose is not for you to enjoy it. There is no express purpose. You can't now reappropriate it. It's like rocks and it's worse. It's not even a utensil and it has no usage. Over here, the whole purpose is along the lines of uh, a dog that's needed for emotional reasons. Along the lines of, I'm enjoying it being with me. That's the only reason I have it. That seems to be the rationale as well, I'm suggesting of Rav Moshe Feinstein. It's as a result considered a keli. It's considered a utensil. It's not a utensil, it's an animal. It's a utensil for these purposes. For some reason, he suggests that maybe when it comes to dogs, puppies, they would be asur. He says, when it comes to fish and moving the aquarium in the Hachmir, not fully certain exactly why he would distinguish in his final safek at the end over there, but his clear principle is that when it comes to pets, pets can and should be considered a keli. They have an express purpose of being used by you for enjoyment. We might call them toys for that reason, for these purposes. So uh, what we've just to briefly summarize what we've addressed and dealt with until now is that the Mishnah and the Gemara by extension, the Poskim very clearly say that when it comes to animals, animals are considered Muqsayan Shabbat. Dealing with an animal, you can't determine one way or another that I'm going to use it. You may not. For Muqsay reasons, riding on an animal separate issue. What about pets? Pets has been dealt with for many, many years, as we saw already, and the major authorities on this matter later trickles down into the Aharonim, who debated accordingly, are Maharach or Zarua up against Rosh. And their debate is, do I consider pets as different than animals of time of old, times of old, or alternatively, it has the same status? Why would you argue that it has the different status or the same status? Different status is, well, the pet is something that I'm enjoying looking at, I'm enjoying listening to. That's permitted, Mideh Dehave, says the Sadr Maharach or Zarua, that Gimaran Shabbat, the daffodil. I like looking at the daffodil, I'm allowed to pick it up and put it down. Even though the daffodil isn't really having a real, uh, an absolute usage, it's like a rock, it's like a piece of wood. No, no, that's the usage for it to be looking beautiful. So to listening to the birds, looking at the fish, or picking, or, or holding the uh, dog, would all be a usage. Rosh disagreed. Rosh said, number one, this is not a keli. Number two, importantly, it has no usage. You can't say, I'm going to use it for that. The hachamim told us, la peluk, there's no distinction, you can't use it. 
we distinguished, we, do, we, we dealt with this over the course of the class, is are the pets today the same of pets of old? We saw that the poskim are debating that and dealing with it as recent as several hundred years ago. There was a strong consensus, Birkei Yosef and Shohan Aruch Zalman, that we shouldn't distinguish. We saw Rav Moshe Feinstein in his later Tishuba does suggest that pets might be permitted or are permitted. His grandson, as a matter of fact, wrote about this afterwards, defending and explaining his opinion of his grandfather, which he says he had conversations with him. And we saw Rabbi Zilber and Shelo Tishubot Aznid Biru as well, taking that side, even using the words that pets would be considered a keli bizman hazeh. Where does that leave us? In my opinion, there's plenty of room and appropriate to be mahmir on this, and we're going to read from sources 13 and 14, Hacham Vadya Yosef and Rabbi Moshe Levi, two tremendous Sephardic poskim who had such an approach. What's the significance of the development until now, however? It's in my mind to, to be quite clear about this matter. Number one, if there is a person who does handle and does use pets on Shabbat, in my understanding, there's no necessity of uh, quote-unquote correcting them and setting them in the right place. They have plenty to be somechan. It's not as if they're a minority opinion. We just discussed there are many poskim who do have such an opinion. Number two, if it's a child who's doing so, there might not even be a necessity to prevent the child from doing so. It might be permitted. I don't know if you want to do it in public per se, but it might be permitted. Number three, and significant as well. What we'll see in Hacham Yosef, he'll extend a kula only to a situation where it's going to be pain for the animal. The animal's in a situation where it's pain, this is to be so bisomech, it's, it's gonna be, it's in the sun, it doesn't realize or it's not able to move it, so you pick it up and move it, you could be somech in that situation, marach zarua and others. I would suggest, since we're appreciating these other poskim, there might be room even if you need to get through in an easy way from one room to the next or something that's blocking the way. There might be room in such a situation. Again, this is not on a consistent basis to pick it up and put it to the side. It's on the couch and there's a guest. You might be able to put it down. That's not in a consistent and regular way. We're going to be mahmir in a consistent and regular way. But since there is room lekula, under circumstances, it might not need to be to that extent of a mama sha'atadahak, it's going to be dangerous for the animal, there might be room even in the post scheme uh, uh, to, to be mekil in that sort of situation. What are the, what are the words of Chacham Yosef here in source number 12? In kavav. he's dealing with moving an aquarium, a fish on Shabbat. A fish tank. A fish tank. He addresses the issue of the course of a, a bunch of development, as he does, of the poskim and the different opinions in the Rishonim. And then he writes, Bottom line, If you're allowed to move the parrot or any birds, which are have beautiful uh, chirping sounds, and that's why you own them, we know exactly what he's referring to now. That's Mahdok that you him a dispute amongst the medieval authorities, Maroch Zarua, who's lenient and Rosh who's stringent. Nira Dinaktinan Kidivre Harosh Le Isol Taltilan. Hu Ilva Harosh Posek Mefusame Hadam Yuhadme Ambudeha Horaa, Vurab Muvhak Behoraa. His suggestion is if I were to ask you, to put it in layman's terms, which one of these two have you heard of? Rosh or Maharach or Zarua? response will, will be a resounding Rosh under all circumstances, which means to say Rosh is, to use different words, a household name. Rosh is, in Hacham Vadya's words, one of the Amudei Hora'a. There are three major poskim upon which Shohan Aruch built his Pesach Halacha. 
Rosh, Rif, and Harambam, not Maharach or Zarua. And in turn, if you're looking to sway and to determine where do I scale this, how do I weigh these two opinions, he says Rosh has the stronger authority in this circumstance. Umikol Zeh, after the ellipsis, Muchach ledina de loka halachot ketanot, Halak Alf, not like Rabbi Yaakov Hagiz that we saw earlier, Shematil, the Taltil of the Tzorch Tinok, Shesahekbo Beshabbat, Elahaikar, he's now trickling into the Aharonim, Kehagaon. Again, as I mentioned in his final line, he says, If the sun is going on to the fish and it's going to be dangerous to the fish, So, Chacham Yosef will only, it appears from this Teshuvah, extend a kula, a leniency, if it's going to be dangerous or even life threatening to the animal. Many other poskim who I am comfortable leaning on for these purposes uh, bump it down a little bit with regards to what's considered a pressing situation. It need not be per se a tsa'ar ba'ale hayim situation. It can alternatively be a comfort circumstance. Not that I'm just going to play with the animal in such a fashion, but I'm stuck in a circumstance. It'll be easier for me to just remove it. That might be, and in my halachic opinion, would be permitted. Go ahead. So, according to him, the only isud is actually picking it up? Yes. You could pet it, you could feed it, you could, you know, the, the food's not mukse, you well, could feeding throw it, a toy. Feeding it, it is certainly it. permitted. Petting it addresses different mm-hmm. issues. The question is... Pushing with regards it anything. To, yeah, but petting it, uh, there's more sourcing that needs to be addressed with regards to that. Not so simple with regards to petting it. Petting it, um, if it's not going to be moving the hair, would be permitted. So petting it, kind of pushing up and down, could be permitted. Pushing it back and forth would be potentially a violation in that circumstance. Because you're kind of moving in that. There's, there's passage in Shulchan Aruch to that effect. What about pushing the entire animal? That was explicit in Shulchan Aruch, that's mutar. To push the animal is middadim. That's permitted. That's shimhet. Sa'if Mem that we learned earlier. Levi again has a full development and discussion of these post scheme that we addressed, as he always would. He writes here in Chilak Alf and Perik Yod Bet, Asur le Taltel Beshabbat, Behema Hayava Of, Afilo the Tzorek Kufan Mekoman, Shinechashavim Muksim Mehamad Kufan Vaafilo Ofot, Shemegadelim Lenoyo, Lemishak, Asur le Taltel Beshabbat. You're not allowed to move birds on Shabbat, even if they're pets. Vilachen Asur le Taltel Beshabbat. Kluv, you're not allowed to move the cage, ubosipore tuki, and it has in it a uh, parrot, vekayotze bezevech, and asur letaltel beshabbat, aquarium, a tank of fish, ubodagim afilu dagnoi, afilu dagenoi, even if they're fish which are beautiful and are there for you to be looking at. So it means to summarize and to mention the halachal ma'aseh clearly in, in our opinion on this issue about whether you could move a pet on Shabbat. That's really the issue that we address. It's a narrow issue. Of course, there are many other issues that need to be addressed, as we said earlier, with regards to pets in halacha. But the issue is an issue of mukseh. Does that apply to all animals? That's really the question. It applies to animals. The question is, does it apply to pets as well? It's a question the Rishonim debated and the Aharonim later on debated even further. Is there a reason to distinguish today to even 700 or so years ago? So that's what the Poskim furthermore debate. 
where the f- birds that they were dealing with, the same status as the birds that you and I might deal with today. So first and foremost, we have the opinion of Maharach or Zaruah, even then, who permitted. Secondly, maybe the argument could be made that pets today might be different than pets once upon a time. The pet is actually bought, raised, and reared, almost quote-unquote manufactured for the purpose of this. It's not that it's reappropriated. It's not that you even catch it and then turn it into a pet. This is what the pet is. It's almost like a keli, as many of the poskims suggested. That's the angle to be mekil. Chacham Vadya Yosef is not comfortable being mekil that way. Rabbi Moshe Levi is not either. Does that mean that pets for Svaradim under all circumstances are considered mukseh? Well, almost, it means to say that pets should not be lifted, shouldn't just be walking around picking up the bird or moving the tank of the fish under all circumstances. If there's a pressing need, it's permitted. Hamvadya Yosef says a very pressing need, a danger for the animals. What we suggested is based on taking everything that we discussed into account, understanding the issue fully, we suggested even if it's a less pressing issue, there could and would be a permissibility of picking it up just for a moment in order to move it aside. It's on the couch, you need it to move, and you couldn't push it. If you could push it, you should be pushing it, provided it's not going to hurt the animal, of course. But if you wouldn't be able to, it might be, uh, it would be, I'm suggesting, permitted to pick it up and put down. Again, basing ourselves on the words of Rav Moshe Feinstein, Shalot Shabbat Nidbiru, and many others who would permit in such circumstances and beyond. For those who um, follow that you're not allowed to have uh, a pet, like we said at the end sources, those who permitted it, um, would they distinguish between your pet and a friend's pet? No, I don't see why they would. Or a pet in general, meaning if you didn't say before Shabbat, I'm going to put it as a purpose, but my friend did. It's an interesting question. No, but once it's a pet, it's a pet. In other words, for everyone. Yeah, it's a keli as a result. It's a keli which was designated. Uh, from its onset, it's no longer. You know, in other words, in other words, it's not, it's it's a great question, but it's no longer considered something that, in theory, was even azur. It is a pet. It was like I said, quote unquote, manufactured to be a permissible item that should be used on Shabbat. As a result, it doesn't matter whether it's yours or someone else's. Okay, Baruch Hashem, Amen, Amen.